So Mike Hall with Chip Ganassi Racing, among other things. If you could describe this dinner in one word, what would it be? Oh, I have to do this stuff in one word. <laughs> you could just say the word. Uh, enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like how much thought that required. <laughs> and now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Place Holder Radio. Welcome to Dinner with Racers. I'm Ryan Eversley, alongside my co-host, Sean Heckman. Hi. And welcome to Season 2. We are just minutes away from arriving at LAX and getting Ryan out of Los Angeles because uh, this is the end of a 40-day tour that uh, went across 29 states, driving 12,000 miles in a Honda Odyssey. Uh, and that Honda had, well, it had a certain set of tires. Continental Tire. Cross Contact LX20. All in the name of bringing you, the listener, 28 additional free podcast episodes, and we thank you for listening. All right, when you're driving through Indianapolis or Speedway, Indiana, there's a million people you want to meet up with, uh, obviously being IndyCar Central. There's drivers, there's engineers, there's team owners. But when it comes to success and class and all kinds of things that we don't understand with our podcast... It's hard to look a lot further than Chip Ganassi Racing. And when you think about Chip Ganassi Racing, the guy you want to talk to beyond Chip is Mike Hull. Truly an honor to get to hang out with Mike Hull. I mean, the guy's done it all. He's so kind. He gave us a shop tour, which was very insightful and like never once was like, don't mention this or don't mention that. Just couldn't be happier to like show us all the cool stuff. He got what we wanted to see. He got why we were there. Now, for those who don't know who Mike Hull is, he's essentially the guy when it comes to Chip Ganassi Racing's IndyCar program. He's, he runs the day-to-day -day of the operation and has basically been one of the key most roles in, in the team's success. And we talk about all of that and more. The guy's had several decades in the sport and, and is just genuinely one of the classiest guys we've ever met. So we went back to Tegri Sushi the same day. That's right. And I had the bento box chicken teriyaki, I believe. We didn't see any IndyCar drivers that didn't no, call us yeah, back. It must be a lunchtime it, deal. It's a, it's a lunch place. Yeah, that's that's where you, if you're an IndyCar driver that doesn't call us back. That's where you go. That's where you go right, for lunch, right. but not dinner. Right. Um, but uh, not they not bitter. still brought back the, uh, the chicken sandwich. Yep. Yeah, they made you another chicken sandwich, which was interesting. All right. Let's hear my call. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Oh, there's my call. Oh, there he is. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, set it aside oh, you know, there. There out. you go. Just right in the middle. Yeah, right there in the middle. Perfect. One of our, uh, we'll have you put on the headset when you're ready to. Should uh, we continue? Yeah, we should continue. We'll I think we should go right off the bat. We'll do one round. One round. Two rounds. Two rounds. Two, two out rounds. Three. Okay. Um, there you go. So we'll, we'll explain what we're doing when you get the headset on. Is that okay? Oh, oh wow. Man, that's like perfect. That. Man, that is a, that's okay. a voice that's right there. FM radio voice. <laughs> All right. Cool. Okay, so, so we were just, uh, everything set up normally, yeah. so we had some, some extra time. We were playing a, a game that we just created, but it's something we've kind of been working on a little while now. It's called Racer Roulette for Racer.com. And then the, the rule is, is the first comment on the thread 
on the on the article or not because it tends to be so we just played one round and i won we just read the headline and we're like i bet the first comment on that is okay. and we see if we're right or not so the first the first one was nbc bulks up coverage for the united states grand prix and of course the first comment was like well why didn't they do that to begin you know that's kind of the thing <laughs> so we're going to play around here and see what we come up with the the, the article is uh ferrari criticism this season unfair from sebastian vettel i'm gonna go comment for the first one uh yeah i'm gonna agree with you what do you think um uh, from a team standpoint I don't think this is what he thought he was walking yeah. into. No, that's okay. no, no I t I'll tell you how I, what I think. Okay. From a team standpoint, I understand the aggressive nature of race drivers like like uh, Vettel. Oh, oh no, 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 uh, no, 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 we're, no. We're talking about the. <laughs> no, no. no oh. This isn't about the Ferrari. You're too Vettel smart thing. for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. You got to think like a Neanderthal, like us. So oh. the um, first comment from a fan is it going to be a positive comment about oh, the article, yeah. or is it going to just be some negative hate? Oh, I think it'll be negative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, so it's, yeah. It's not about the article. Yeah. It's about the headline, yeah. and but then we read a, the first. A, that's comment. an interesting view. Yeah. We've we've noticed. We believe we've fixed clearly we haven't but we believe we've gotten the, the forums better because during last season's podcast all we did was pick on the forum commenters and, and oh. all the nastiness we noticed there is a trend towards it being a little more positive than it used to since be since last season of yeah. our podcast uh, we're taking all the credit we're so <laughs> now we're playing this game to see but go ahead uh, that's all alright uh, and the answer is uh, it's a neutral comment oh if Ferrari doesn't win they get criticized so what's the difference what else is new huh that's just a neutral that's thought very, that's but isn't yeah. he part of Ferrari What's that? Yeah, it's part of Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. weren't asking if they were intelligent criticism, oh, just I if see. they were <laughs> shitty. So, all right, so all right let's do one more round. One let's more? do one more okay, round. Because we'll we need more. it. Because that start the, the article is about criticism. Okay. So sure. let's find like sure. a neutral article okay, where the three with, of us don't agree. Let's go with IndyCar racing because yeah. that's your your wheelhouse for the most part here, and uh, the c the the article is Hildebrand fighting for ECR drive. All right. So, I'm going to say the first comment's going to be. Negative because someone's going to want their favorite driver instead. Okay, Sean. I think it's going to be negative, but it's going to be about how IndyCar can't find enough sponsorship <laughs> for like having another car. Right. Uh, what do you think, Mike? So the so the article is about Hildebrand Hilde fighting for the Ed Carpenter drive. Um, and again, it's not about the article; it's about the forum comment, the first forum fighting comment. for the drive. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was out of there. Why would he fight for it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not explaining this very well. <laughs> okay. So in, in terms of what a, what what, a, what a fan, fan is going to say, yeah. uh, I think a fan is going to be very, very, very negative about it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's see what we got here coming down. So it's, it's a big article. You're universally negative. Just why is the question? Oh. Oh. Positive. Okay. We lost. We've C all lost. It's come on, Ed. Sign him up now. That's the first forum comment. So Yeah. So, right. Mike, you've lost. Uh, dinner's on you. Okay, that's <laughs> all right. I, I buy dinner quite a bit. No. <laughs> uh, so that's Racer Roulette, which we just kind of finally finalized. We this. found a thing. Well, I don't know. Social media or the Internet is, in my opinion, is somewhat different from the social media. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, because the Internet is typically uh, isn't 140 characters. Right. Right. It, you know, it, and depending on who writes the article and how much space they actually are allowed to have, right. that determines the uh, the depth and the and the concentration of what you're going to get to read. Sure. If you're a if you're a passionate fan, yeah, you want those in-depth articles. Sure. Sure. If you're a fan, you want 140 characters. Sure. Because your your life is I, I'm a fan of football, baseball, auto yeah. racing, whatever. I'm yeah. not just an auto racing fan, and I think it's very different. But I think. I think it's difficult. Uh, I, I'm on Twitter, um, and and I think 
it's not impossible, but it's difficult for somebody to be very negative with 140 characters. Sure. Oh. I would. Oh. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> First of all, well, I know it's. I know it's not impossible, <laughs> and, I, and I get hit. I get hammered by some people. Really? Like, oh my God! Yes. Well, to me, and, the difference uh, is. Oh, go ahead. And and but the other, I follow Ricky Fowler, the okay. golfer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So not a week or so ago, there was there was this guy. I'm assuming it was a guy. I shouldn't probably say that. Um, I probably get scolded by our human resources director for saying it that way. But <laughs> yeah, uh, you can find the reality <laughs> is, is there was a person <laughs> that was hammering the heck out of Ricky Fowler. I don't remember what it was about. Mm -hmm. And what I like about wha him on Twitter is he's not super diplomatic about his response. Right. He he came right at this person and said, "Man, if you could come out behind your 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 uh, laptop screen." and actually look at me face to face, we could probably have a conversation and work this out. Yeah. But you just continually hide behind that thing all the time. And then there was a couple other guys, a couple of the PGA golfers that jumped right on it immediately. Luke Donald, and there was two or three others, immediately took his side and said the same thing about the social media. You can either be positive and take the high road and make things better. Right. right. Uh, even though you might disagree, there's two ways to disagree about anything. Sure. You know, you can make constructive criticism or you can burn the house down. Yeah. And and I find it fascinating. There's not very many people on the social media that are willing to take those kind of people on. Right. And I think they, they're, they're so worried about maybe about their brand, their image, yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. But I get I get hit. Really? I get, oh, See, my God. I yes. would, to me, the difference between forums and social media is that you're actually, in theory, interacting with the person. That whereas person. the forum is completely anonymous. Yeah. Just yeah. Sometimes assume they don't read everyone. Yeah. 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 But it goes back to, some of it goes back to the split between uh, when the IndyCar uh, split did happen. Yeah. Some of it yeah. goes to that. There's people that hold a grudge for that. Yeah. And on our sports car side, it's people that absolutely hate us, hated us when we went from, when we went to Ford. Right. Sure. Uh, and uh, um, now that we've gone from to Honda from Chevrolet, there's a couple of the same people. It's like, get over it. Can't win. Right. You know, get over <laughs> it, right. man, and, and let's get on with it here. Right. Uh, it, it used to be in motor racing that you had different cars, different ma tire manufacturers, uh, different engines, uh, multiple teams that, uh, that did things that were significant. And now if, if you want to try to create an avenue to be able to do that, there's a lot of these people that want to take you to task. While we're on the topic of social media, um, <clears throat> I follow you, and I appreciate that one of the most common things you write at the end of a tweet is, thanks for being an IndyCar fan. You know, the thing is, is, is I was very resistant to it, to be very candid. Sure. And uh, uh, two years ago now, uh, right prior to the Indy 500, the, the person who handled at the time our social media said to me, she was in the Indianapolis office, she's based, she was ba she's based in North Carolina, but she was in the Indy office and she says, why aren't you on social media? And I said, I don't know. And she said, well, you should do it. And I s she said, do you have a Twitter account? And I said, yeah, I do. She said, but you don't post or anything. I said, no, I just, I love Twitter because I can read, I, f I follow people that I like to follow yeah. and I read about what they're doing. And then some of the sites that I follow have links. And so I can get a lot of information right. quickly. Sure. Right. And I don't have to sit in front of my laptop and browse the internet to yeah. find out what I want to find out. So I, I really do enjoy it. And so then she said, well, would you just do this? 
just for Indianapolis from practice through the race, just put out a tweet every day or maybe two if you feel like it and attach a photo to it uh, or not and just tell people what you see yeah. Yeah. from your perspective, mm-hmm. not from the perspective that you think they would want to see. Right. 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 I said, okay, so I did it. So I started to gather a little steam, and then what happened was I started to get questions, right. which yeah. I wasn't ready for at all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. uh, we went to the next <coughs> race after the 500, which was Detroit, and uh, setup day Thursday, I'm in the paddock, and a person walks up to me, and what had always happened prior was people would come up and they would be a little stand, a little fri- frightened, you yeah. know, and you'd have to almost break the ice with them, and uh, they would always say, "Boy, it's really nice to meet you. Uh, could I ask you a question?" But what starts, what started to happen is that from Detroit onward, people would come up and they would just jump right into the conversation. Right. Yeah. Like, because now they know you. Like, because sure. yeah. they kind of yeah. know you or they've interacted with yep. you. And, and you, don't, you don't know if they've interacted with you on right. Twitter right. Yeah. or not. But I find it fascinating that you can do what you said. You, you, you can tell people what's going on. There's some things that you probably have to uh, maintain confidentiality about. Sure. Uh, but I think you try to tell people that in a nice way uh, so they're not totally offended by <laughs> your <laughs> answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I had a guy the other night that asked me a question which I responded to, and <laughs> this guy in California that just jumped on the answer immediately and said, he told you. <laughs> 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 that should be good enough. Right. And uh, so I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's nice. I enjoy doing it. And uh, I think it makes a difference. All right, so uh, <laughs> I gotta ask. <laughs> this can't be real. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're Chip's guy, right? Mm. On, on the side of the pond, when it comes to anything road racing, open wheel, you're you're running the deal. That's a that's a high power, high profile job. And <laughs> he's laughing. And he's like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and during this entire process of getting you onto our podcast, you have been insanely accommodating. To like too yeah, accommodating, like to, like to the point that you called oh. us. Ele- to to yeah. the point that you went out of your way to call us to let you know you were going to be literally three minutes late <laughs> okay. to meeting us at the shop, <laughs> which is something we don't get from just about anybody, let alone mm. a guy in your place. You, you can't be like this with everybody because you run out of time. I, uh, well, I think you have to be. You have to measure that sure. uh, with what you're doing. I, mean, I know uh, we're a huge deal. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, and, but the thing is, is, is you guys are. But the, the, the reality is, is. I think you have to remember where you came from. Yeah. Sure. And you have to treat everybody f- not only with respect, but you have to treat everybody the same. Sure. And uh, I remember when I when I, I grew up in Southern California, and uh, I hung around at the racetracks before I could drive race cars, and all I wanted to do was learn about racing. Sure. Anything I could learn. And in those days, there were a lot of professional racing teams that were based in Southern California. Right. Uh, that raced in Can-Am, Trans-Am, Formula 5000. Uh, and then there was big-time drag racers that were all there. So, you know, you'd go to a drag race. You could go to, in one week's time, you could go to five different major drag races yeah. in, Cal- in, uh, in Southern California. Yeah. What made such a positive impression on me were some of those people and how right. receptive they were to me when I was a kid. Right. And what it meant to me for for them to to answer my question and take the time to do it and in fairness to the to the answer there were some of them that were total dicks 
you know? So, and some really famous people. You know, I used to go to Riverside Raceway on a practice day, and, and you know, you stand by the pit wall. You could get right in there, and there wasn't hardly anybody there. And uh, T. McLaren would be there. And you could talk to McLaren. You could talk to Hilm. Yeah. You could talk to Tyler Alexander, and they would take the time to talk to you and the mechanics, that all the Kiwis that worked there. Yeah. Yeah. They were great people, and you could walk one pit box up, and the people that were in that pit box that were world famous were jack-offs. Right. Right. So, you know, that always made such a strong impression yeah. on me that I always thought, you know, that's how you have to, you, you have to live your life. Right. Um, I wish I had time to spend with more people. Sure. But well, that, that's the thing that blew our mind. Is like you know, it's not that it's not a matter of you not wanting to spend time with people, but I just don't see how you could be. It's this device right here. Okay. That that's what makes it so easy. You've sure. got this electronic device in your hand that can that it can control your life. Yeah. Let's face <laughs> it. But right. the reality is, is you can pick the phone up and call somebody, or you yeah. can send them a text, or you can mm -hmm. send them an email. And in my opinion, the faster you do it, the faster you get on to the next thing. Yeah. Interesting. So or the uh, more you're inviting more emails. <laughs> like it really. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's just in, so. it's the reality that. Uh, yeah. Uh, news travels at the s good news and bad news travels at the same rate. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like right. It. So, uh, I've always been one that hates to wait. Yeah. Uh, I hate people. Well, hate a strong there. word for what you just <laughs> said about me, but I dislike people that uh, uh, are Monday and Friday people. You know, they think about it all week, and then on Friday they give you an answer, oh, or they think yeah. about it on the weekend and they give yeah, you an answer yeah, yeah. on Monday. Okay. I hate I I, di I just hate that uh, because it can't take that long to create an answer. Yeah, <laughs> I like this guy. Are you okay, Sean? Know, yeah, I don't know where yeah, to go. That's, that's so I, I don't know yeah. if that answers your question, um, but that's that's how I look at it. You couldn't take the cut and pay, but you should run all PR for all of motorsports. <laughs> you if I may say, you guys yeah. get paid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where in Southern well, California? Where in Southern California? Uh, I I grew up. I had a great, great uh, childhood. My my mom and dad were divorced when uh, when I was really young, and uh, my mom lived in Vista, California. Oh yeah, okay. So I I lived down there in the summertime with her. I mean, sorry, in the wintertime when I went to school. Yeah, you had to go to school, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was a wonderful place to grow up. And uh, and my dad lived in Los Angeles, so okay. in the summertime I spent a lot of time with him. So okay. I was up there all summer. Where um, in L.A.? West L.A. Okay. So. It was a great place to grow up, and, and what was terrific about it for me was I just was passionate about motorsports, and there was every form of motorsports there yeah. then. Yeah, the, It was based there, you know, whether it be s drag racing, right. lake bed racing, road racing, oval racing, you name it, and the teams were there. Right. So y it was somewhat easy to get over the fence to, to, to learn about it, yeah. um, and... Uh, it was a great place to grow up, uh, loving loving car and especially the car culture. Yeah, it's so California. Huge in California. And I notice sure. it like what's interesting to me is like we go to Long Beach every year, and still you see that generationally there with the people yes. there. Yes. Uh, and you don't see it generationally at all the racetracks that call car culture right. generational thing. Yeah. And it reminds it just reminds me so much of of growing up there and loving cars. Didn't matter what right. kind of car it was, just loving distinctive cars. Right. And uh, getting to see dis distinctive teams race those cars, right. which is even better. Paul Fanner had some really neat things to say about you, including that you were his driver coach. I, I was, well, uh, Paul Fanner, I, I worked at the Jim Russell School at Willow Springs Okay. Uh, when I was young and dumb and uh, <laughs> trying to race Formula Fords, and it was a great place because uh, 
that's what they had there were Formula Fords. Sure. And uh, first of all, you had to keep them running. Secondly, you had to try to teach somebody else how to do something you wanted to do. Yeah. And it was at, uh, I think at Riverside, the first time I met him, maybe. And uh, we developed a terrific friendship and a relationship that started there. Yeah. Um, and ever since there, since then, we've interacted quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he I th and he's got his he's got his SCCA logbook. I don't know if he told you about uh, that or not, but it's classic. Yeah, yeah. We'll let you tell the story. Oh well, again. I, I don't remember exactly what was what I wrote in there, but <laughs> I didn't know what to write about him because he, does. <laughs> he, he was he was trying to find his way. I think that's a good way to say that's it. That's code. And uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, and I don't know that he was a frustrating student necessarily, but he was just like a lot of people that are so in love with wanting yeah. to learn how to race right th but they have a tough time getting through the corners right let's face it that's exactly <laughs> and so exactly i think i wrote in the wrote yeah. in there that he was great on the straightaway or something <laughs> Get uh, between the corners but yeah. yeah right so uh but you know he did a lot better he kept going and right. um, uh his love of of formula ford racing in particular was like everybody else's in at that during that era yeah. of time right um when i was at sonoma for we tested out there the week before the race, and I was there. This guy walks up to me, and I look at this guy. I said, man, he looks familiar. And uh, he said, Mike. I said, yeah. He says, I'm Bob. Bob, yeah. He says, uh, do you remember me? And I said, honestly, I said, I wish I could, and you look really familiar to me. He says, well, the last time we saw each other were four, was four years, 40 years ago. <laughs> I said, 40 years ago? He says, yeah, my name is Bob Blackwood. And I said, oh, Bob, hi, how you doing? And uh, she says, do you remember how we met? And I said, yeah, I remember exactly where we met and when and how. And it was at Riverside Raceway in 1972. And it was in February, the SCCA National, and uh, about 100 Formula Fords there in a race. And it was raining, torrentially raining. All 14 inches of what probably happened in California that year <laughs> happened on that, <laughs> that day. day. One day, right. sure. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> Um, he said, I brought you a photo, and he hands me this photo, and it's me behind him going up into turn six at Riverside in the wet. Um, and he said, you, you remember that we, we, led the, we led almost the whole race? And I said, I do remember that. And uh, it, what happened with about two laps to go, the thing dried out completely, and we were jacked, and we <laughs> backed up about five, four or five spots. I think I finished fifth, he finished yeah, fourth. Yeah. Um, but the photo is classic. Um, this black and white photo, uh, and to me it just represented that time in racing, yeah. right. because you had all these different cars and all these different guys, and they all wanted to race cars. And Fanner was like that, you know, he wanted to race the cars, just like all the rest of us did. Yeah. And uh, man, it was fun. <laughs> uh, we met up. Speaking of driving, we met up with uh, I want to say it was Dan Binks. I'm pretty sure it was Dan. Uh, Binks. Uh, a couple interviews ago, we were with Dan Binks, uh, who's obviously gone on yeah. to do his own stuff. Um, uh, who who really wanted us to grill you about your driving career? Yeah, that was his one thing. He said, "Ask him about his driving career," and we said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Yeah, he'll know." <laughs> and we we're like, uh, "Are we gonna get in trouble?" <laughs> uh, um, I just I remember Phil Banks really well. First of all, yeah. his his father, yes. right? A terrific, integrity-filled guy, and uh, I. I went down to Holtville to race, which was this airport track near El Central California, and they had a winter series down there. This guy comes over to me, um, and it was myself and my wife. Uh, and that was it. You know, work, you work on your own car and you're right. racing, you know, and uh, my wife and I were there, and uh, this guy comes up to me, and he says, I'm Phil Binks. I said, hi, how you doing? 
And I said, I'm Mike Hall. And he said, oh. He said, yeah, I've heard about you. He said, um, good things. He said, great, great to have you here. Because he, Phil ran the San Diego region of the SEC. Right, right. And uh, if there's anything that, that we can do or I can do for you personally, please let me know. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's a terrific guy. And, and so we developed this friendship and relationship that exists till still to this day. Every time I see Phil, last time I saw him was at Road America this year, Danny Banks. And I have so much admiration for this guy, for what he's accomplished, how hard he works, and how fair he is. Yeah, right. How fair he is with, with uh, competitors. And uh, the fact that he takes the time to come and say congratulations yeah. when he's probably thinking about why they didn't have congratulations sure, right. that particular day. Yeah. That, that, that's, that, that guy has a big heart. It's big pure class yeah and and now his son works for you yeah he does yeah uh and uh, and he's uh he's a really good guy um and uh i don't know if he wanted to get out from underneath his father's umbrella or what happened but uh i'm glad that he works for us well the way dan put it was that he didn't want him to work for him because he's like you'll never not be my kid yeah, you'll oh, right, always yeah. be dan binks's right, kid and right. i want you to survive and, and flourish yeah. on your own and so he was like i'd prefer you to yeah. And well, apparently he kind of got that too. He's like, yeah, no, yeah. I need to. I need to get out there. Yeah, I'm in the same position. My son works for Sam Schmidt. Okay. And oh, cool. uh, yeah. he's uh, Lation's uh, chief mechanic. And now he's a team manager of Sam Schmidt's. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, uh, you wouldn't want to make an assy necessarily? Well, I think it's the same thing. Yeah. It right. was the same thing with us. Uh, uh, was you have He's a really good guy, good kid. Uh, uh, he's got his <laughs> together, um, and he's found his own way, and he does a really good job of it. Right. Um, and does uh, it ever really bug you if you guys get beat by them? If you get beaten racing, right. I think you have to get over it quickly. Um, it's gonna happen. Yeah, it's gonna keep <laughs> <you know? laughs> right, right. Um, And uh, uh, because people, if you if you don't, they're gonna use your shoulder blades continuously for traction. Yeah. So I, I think I think it's really important to understand why you were why you didn't finish where you should have, right? And get on with it. Yeah, yeah. Shoulder blades retraction. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm right on to that. That is awesome. <laughs> All right. So speaking of the Ford GT program, I gotta know, and you don't have to name names, but you really should name names. <laughs> uh, in, in our little sports car world, that that was like for every driver that has ever gotten behind the wheel, that was their golden opportunity yeah. to go run a factory mm. Le Mans program. So in my head. You guys got hundreds of people reaching out, just mm -hmm. making sure you knew they were they were available. Um, a lot of new best friends. A lot of new best friends. What was the worst way someone put themselves out there? Like, did somebody like show up as like a pizza delivery man with a resume <laughs> in it? You know, the worst way. The worst way. And uh, you don't have to name names. No, no, no. I'd, I'd have to think about that because I thought it was pr actually pretty good. Yeah. And the and the and to answer your question, and I'm not going to avoid the answer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but the level of people that contacted us sure. were at the level where they didn't have to send flowers. You know. Right. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Did they send flowers? Um, Did somebody. But there yeah. were <laughs> there were a couple of people that tried to there were a couple of people that tried to. Uh, we we had made a statement that uh, uh, we were going to go through a, a process to figure out sure. who we wanted, sure. and and we did, and I thought we did a good job of that. Sure. The but there were a couple of people that tried to pull favors, okay, to jump 
jump the line a little bit. Sure. Like people that would try and work the forward angle yeah, over you guys? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sure. Or maybe a friend of a friend, you know, sure, that, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. Sure. And, and I'll tell you what I, I really do like personally is I like drivers who take the initiative to make the call. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Whether yeah. they have an agent or not. Right. Sure. Uh, because it's all about... In, the way racing works, in my opinion, is in order to have a, a team of people that are cohesive, right. the drivers are the quarterbacks, and they have to be able to understand that they have to take the initiative to make it happen, and it includes this situation. It never bothers me a bit for a driver to call or, or leave a message or send a text or send an email, whatever they do, mm -hmm. uh, directly to make a con contact. And, and it doesn't bother me. Like for next year, if a driver says, hey, don't forget about me. Right. Uh, because how would we remember that they might want to be remembered if they didn't? So nothing stands out as Nothing stands as out. There was never that. that. No, I don't know. I'd have stop calling me. There was never <laughs> that kind remember. of No, not really. There was not one email you forwarded to Chip like, come on, look at this guy. Look at this look one. Look at this guy. Uh, it's like a video resume. No, it was, it was pretty good. You know, Chip and I sat down with a list of people, and uh, we, we, had, we had either contacted or been contacted probably. There was probably an active roster roll call thing going on there yeah. maybe 40 or 50 people right uh, but we sat down and we looked at it and we we do what we always do we kind of go on our instincts and yeah. uh, so we kind of then made a categorical list of how we wanted to approach that list with sure. uh, priority this one two three four five yeah. and we didn't shotgun the thing we just went one at a time okay. on the list i don't know how other teams operate because we operate our team but we have to we we like drivers who are unselfish, whether they're in a in a single seater or whether they're in a in a, a shared sports car. Right. But they're totally unselfish with their teammate, right. mm -hmm. and uh, they want to give the car to their teammate like they would want it to be given to them. And it's you want those kind of drivers that that uh, have those in, have those instincts and then have the ability to close the deal. This is a big-time program, right. and the hard part about this program is saying no to drivers that potentially could make it, but in their careers, they're still learning how to close the deal. Winning Le Mans obviously had to be the target from day one, but did you, did you think in a first-year program that was actually possible? <laughs> um, well, the eternal optimist always thinks they sure. can win, um, but it was a big hill to climb. Right. It was a mountain to climb. It was an Alp. And uh, first of all, we have a great group of people that work at Chip Ganassi Racing. They work really, really hard. And uh, they try to achieve uh, things together that sometimes are hard to do. Um, so we went about our business trying to be ready. We started the season miserably. Uh, honestly, and uh, but by the time we got to Laguna Seca in May, we were moving along quite well. Yeah. Uh, but then we had this monumental task of going and racing in a foreign country, right? Out of a container, <laughs> right? Um, in a garage that we atmosphere that included a timing stand, like what we call it in America, <laughs> that's yeah. back at the back of the garage, um, a pit lane that has completely different rules. Yep. A racetrack that has completely different rules. Right. Uh, pit stops that are totally different. Yeah. Um, so 
We practiced hard to be ready to race there. Uh, but what I loved about it was the fact that what they do, the ACO and the way that they run a race is they reward speed. It's the least amount of time that you spend in the pit lane with the most amount of time that you send it, spend at full speed uh, without creating issues for yourself right. on the racetrack. Um, and that's what we did. We raced kind of against the grain of American racing. American racing is all about do-over. Right. You know, they close the pit lane right. and they send the pace car out. Yeah, close so the pit lane, send the pace car out. Wait for the wave out. around. And wait for the wave around. Yeah. And everybody gets back on the lead lap. Mm -hmm. And everybody's bunched back together. So if you're at the front of the queue in American racing, you have an advantage, whether you come in the pit lane or whether you're on the right. racetrack when, right. the, when it restarts. So right. don't get me wrong. Being at the front's the best thing to right. be. <laughs> but it's but it's still American racing is right. about do-over, 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 do-over. And do if over, you're 12th, you can go off strategy and maybe still have a shot. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. But in, in this racing, um, the way that they administer the racing, it's really awesome. Because if you work hard and your guys work hard on the car and, they, and, it's, and it's a flawless car, you spend very little time in the pits during the race except for doing the things you have to do when you stop, you have a big opportunity. Right. I don't know that people gave us much of a chance. Yeah, hmm. well, especially Daytona was such a rough yeah, start to yeah. the year for you guys to, yeah. to turn around in just a few months. So. Yeah, but I can't say enough about, uh, you know, I, you know, the French seem to take a knock from everybody, but <laughs> the reality is uh, going there to race that race, right. they were so accommodating to us. They made sure that we were okay. Right. They continued to, to make sure that our people were okay in tech. They continued to make sure we were okay with how we raced the racetrack. Right. Uh, there were people from their sanctioning body continuing to come into the into our garage area, making sure we were all right. Yeah, right. And uh, that was, you know, of all the stories that that we've heard, right. that wasn't what I expected at sure, all. Sure. To be honest about it, and and uh, they probably deserve a great degree of credit for how we raced the race on race day. Right. Because of how much help they gave us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, all right, jumping around a little bit. When we went to your shop today, we, we paid a little <laughs> visit. You gave us a quick little tour, which yeah. again blew our mind that you had the time. Um, <laughs> or, or gave a shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this happening? But, you know, we showed up at just a little bit before 5, uh -huh. um, and uh, it was fairly sparse. There weren't many people yeah. there. There's a couple of guys, and you said your shop hours are 7 to 4. It was after 4. And but it is, like, it's October And it's October, so we're a month, today, yeah. you know, the, the IndyCar finale was a month ago. The sports car finale was a couple weeks ago. Um, so it's, I assume, the slowest time of the year. But still, it was 4.45, and there was maybe two other guys mm -hmm. in the entire compound. Um, is it an orderly place? It f I feel like even during your maddest thrashes, it's probably not chaotic there. I th no, it's not chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, – we've practiced a lot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> so we've learned how to take uh, uh, – take take some of that uh, adrenaline activity away from what we do. Sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're pretty pretty well organized. Right. And, uh, you know, if, if we've got an event coming up and we know that 7 to 4 isn't going to work, right. yeah. we're going we're gonna to tell the staff, you know, we're going to work 7 to 7 or 7 to 6 for the next three days or yeah. whatever. So right. it's not a surprise to anybody. Sure. Yeah. But uh, we predict the workload and, uh, and roll accordingly. Right. And tell, me, tell us an average day of my call. I assume there's no such <laughs> thing. Uh, my life, my life, uh, my business life, my Chip Ganassi life is all about priority. Uh, I, th I think what I love about what we, what I do is the fact that it's never the same two days in a row. Sure. 
to answer your question, I, I, I look at every day as a new day. Right. And uh, what I'm most frightened about when we win a race, wherever it is, whether it's a major or whether it's a race. Right. So we're never going to win again. Yeah. That right. drives me. Yeah, right. absolutely. That really drives absolutely. me. Absolutely. You know, Tiger Woods said, he, there was a quote from him. I thought it was fantastic. They asked him, a, a journalist, a local journalist asked him a question. He said, Tiger, what would it mean for you to, to win our golf tournament? He said, well, I'm going to be very nice. I'm going to try to be very nice with my answer. <laughs> um, and I'm paraphrasing this. But he said, I'm going to work really hard to win this event. I want to win. That's what I want to do. But Tiger Woods is only going to be remembered for winning majors. And at the end of my career, they're going to say Tiger Woods won this many majors. Right. No matter how many PGA events he won. And I think in racing it's the same. Yeah. Uh, people remember what you did after you've left yeah. sure. the yeah. scene yeah. Yeah. for how many majors you, you were part of winning. Right. Uh, I think that's what makes Roger Penske's record so special at sure. Indianapolis because of all the times that he's won there. Yeah. Right. And uh, when he set out, do you think it was important for him to say, I'm going to win 16 times or 18 times or right. 20 times he or whatever? He said, it. I just want to go win again. Yeah. Right. And, I, and I think that's what we do. We want to go win again. What's, a, what's in your DVR right now? In my DVR. Um, I watched, uh, last night I watched The Birdcage. Okay. That's uh, a good one. Okay. I love that. I love that movie. And yeah, I, love, I love the original Get Shorty. Okay. I, I re-watched that a lot. Okay. Um, so I'm hearing a bunch of movies from the 90s. No I, television? I pre-ordered the Jason Bourne thing because I love that series of movies. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, so I hope it's as good as the other ones. I didn't I see the last one. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I really like them. So now, what are you like at home watching movies? Are you annoying because you're constantly quoting it as it happens? <laughs> like, um, oh, watch this, watch this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, when you rewatch the movies, it's kind of cool. You know, when you really do like them. Have you ever seen There Will Be Blood? What? The, the movie There Will Be Blood by the Coen Brothers? No. Oh no. <laughs> but he no, no idea. Kind of had an idea. But he liked the Coen Brothers. Well, <laughs> it, yeah, because I like Big Lebowski. Our, and my I, favorite yes! movie of all yeah. time. Okay, now we're right, getting we're somewhere. doing movie quotes with Mike Holmes. Okay. Yeah. And Big Lebowski is awesome. Oh, as a matter of fact, what was the coolest thing that happened this year at Sonoma? Target had a, a party like they always have there. And they always have a guest entertainer. Okay. Oh, I know where it's going. Okay. So yep. it was at a winery there, and yep. we go to the winery, and then we wander down to this band stand thing, and they talked about the race team for a little while, and then they said we want to turn it over to the to the band, and yep. it was it was Jeff Bridges. No yep. way. Yeah. 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 And no uh, way. <laughs> he's got his band. I forget what it's called, but it's like it's like him and T Bone Burnett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it, it was, it, <laughs> it's, it was like, I mean, he's so cool in yeah. person. Yeah, really, he's the dude. <coughs> just, I mean, he is just such a California guy. Yeah, no. Um, and uh, you know, I thought that that Prudhomme Snake was California cool. Yeah. Until you met the dude. He's on the left side of this guy. <laughs> um, and uh, it was so much fun to see him and, and, and see the, the interaction he had with the people. And, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, it was really amazing. But I love that movie. Great movie. It's my favorite of all time. <laughs> I, I read an article about the movie some time ago. And they were talking about the premiere. I don't know if you guys heard about this or not or read it. So he took his wife and his kids and his mom 
You know, his mom, his father passed away by then. His mom was an actress, or had been an actress too. Right. Acting family. And about halfway through the movie, she got up and walked out. And didn't come back. Uh-oh. <laughs> Took a cab home. Oh, wow. Wow. So he said to her mom, he went over to find her, went home, talked, called her in front of her. Mom, why did you leave? She said, Jeff, I don't know how you could play a part like that. You know, that's <laughs> all the language, the, the language, and right. the, the drugs, and, and all that. He said, "Mom, it's just acting." <laughs> <laughs> but somehow or other, he looks to me like it wasn't acting. Right, <laughs> right. He does a good job. Yeah. So how did all this start? What's that? Meeting Chip, oh. kind of saying, "Here's the keys." Uh, yeah. One of my questions was, "What was the first day at Ganassi like for you?" When I went to work for Chip. He was in the process of wanting to establish a team that could run or would run, be able to run successfully, two entries on the grid. And he was one, one and a half, really. He would run a second car at Indy, yeah. and uh, they were, at, when I came to work for him, Robbie Gordon was doing eight races with Chip uh, that year with Ford. Ford was helping. So Tom Anderson ran the team, and uh, I was hired. Um, to work on creating the entity that we now have to where we'd be able to create the ebb and flow necessary with all the people to run multiple cars successfully. Right. So that involved what went on in the building as well as what went on at the racetrack. And uh, Tom and I worked really, really hard on that day and night to try to get it to the point where it could do that successfully. It's easy to run one car, but when you expand to a second car, if you haven't done it before, right. it strains the first car horribly. Yeah, cause it's not just doubling people. Now there's no, bridge people and management levels that you need to create and inventories. Yeah. So I, I think when I went to work for Chip, I was the 18th or 19th person working there, maybe. Um, and uh, we moved some people around, and we let some people go, and we hired some new people, and we just kept building the team. That was in 1990. Two, we won our first race as a group of people in 1994. Right. Uh, but to answer your original question about Chip, I first met Chip at Lime Rock. It would have been a 19, maybe 79 or 80. Right. 79 or 80. Chip might be able to tell you. Um, I was I was looking after Atlantic Car that year for a guy named Whitney Gans and. Uh, and uh, Witt wanted to run as many races as he could run. Uh, he wanted to run the North American a professional series, but he also wanted to race every weekend if he could somewhere. Wow. So we had a fifth wheel trailer, and we, tr and, uh, we were a California-based team, but we traveled the United States, and we went to the SCCA National at Lime Rock because there was a pro race about a month later at Lime Rock. And we were in that gravel parking lot at that time at Lime Rock, and. Uh, parked next to Joe Stamola, who ran Formula <laughs> Fords. I Joe Stamola. Um, and I'd known him for years anyway, and, uh, and he said, I want, I want to introduce you to a really nice young guy that I'm looking after in Formula Fours, and it was Chip. So I <coughs> met him then, and uh, uh, we just we knew each other, befriended each other, and would talk to each other from time to time, but certainly the timing wasn't right to go to work until when I did. Yeah. So kind of going in the theme of Mike Hall, the person, not the racer. We established top five movies. 
you're you're a little Lebowski urban achiever, as they call them. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you do to get away from it all? Like, what's the what's the escape? Well, this year it was the Ford GT program. Hell of an escape. In my spare time, I'll yeah. go to France. And that really did eat up a lot of my time this yeah, year. Yeah, I imagine. Oh, but I'm not the only person. Everybody sure, in the building. Sure. Right. Um, normally, like I'll, if I can, I'll take a, uh, a couple of weeks and go on a sailboat in the British Virgin Islands in the wintertime. There you yeah. go. Uh, do that um, periodically. That's nice. Mm -hmm. I like to play golf. I do that. Um, because it's such a release from what you do, you don't think about work. It's great. I have a place in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I've had one for quite a while, and I go down there when I can just, sure. to, just to relax down there. Sure. Right downtown. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so bought down there when the real estate market was kind of bad. Is there, like, when you guys go for the Grand Prix, is there, like, a Mike Hall party that you throw? Yeah. My wife uh, organizes that normally. How do we get on that? All right, it's easy. <laughs> You're on the inside now. All right, yeah, we're huge now. <laughs> Sean's a big partier. I don't know if you can tell, but yeah, he really, really likes to. All right, so Chip Ganassi. We've Ryan and I have had a couple conversations about this uh, here and there. there there's got to be a side to Chip we don't see because there, you know, there's a very specific personality you see on TV where he's affable, gets lit up. Is, yeah, like, have you ever walked in on him like watching cat videos in his office, <laughs> or just like, guy, oh, check out this puppy? You'd be like, we'll let it go. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> um, I mean, he's just a regular guy. Yeah. Right. Um, what I like about him, and always have, is the fact that he's a one-sentence person. Sure. And uh, it's not necessarily you know where you stand, but you know where you're going. Yeah. Okay. Um, and when you work with people, when you work for a person like that, you can get a lot done. Right. Uh, it's almost anti-committee, <laughs> if you think about it. Right. Uh, but the reality is, is, is you, you, you can discuss it and then carry on. And uh, I don't know that we think exactly alike, sure. but we understand each other completely. Because my assumption is you have a lot of authority here without getting mm. second-guessed too often. I don't really know. Well, I don't know if that's... Yeah, I, I, what I like about Chip, too, is the fact that he... Let's me know what he thinks. Right. No matter what we do. Right. What I like about opinions is, you know, people say, you know, everybody has an opinion. Well, that's really important because the reason you have ears is to listen to those opinions. If you don't do that, you're not taking full advantage of the room. And if uh -huh. you don't take full advantage of the room, you're not going to make it better. Chip has a lot of experience in motorsports. Right. And that experience is invaluable. And when you add up the experience in the whole room, you shouldn't create this group th think atmosphere where everybody agrees with everybody. Right, right, right. And they say, okay, yeah, let's, we're going to do it that way. Right. No, and you then, should disagree, and then sure. You go straight down the, the tubes. Right. It, it doesn't work. So you have, to, you have to temper that by listening to every opinion in the room and make sure that the direction you're going is good, but then it needs to be swift. That, and that's the thing you bring up is what you're making it sound like is it's very collaborative, but in a motorsport environment, collaboration only has a limited shelf life, in my opinion. It's absolutely so. right. Yeah, maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> the reason I do what I do is because I love doing it, and I, and I, and I think I do it pretty well. Um, and uh, 
I think I could probably do anything I want to do. If I, if I chose to, to, to walk away from this job and do something totally unrelated to motor racing, I think I'd do a great job of it. Right. Because, of, because what ha happens, and I think everybody in racing that has left racing that, was, that were, they were successful people, they take that ethic with them. Right, right. That yeah. drive and, and that competitive nature and that organizational and uh, priority-driven strength. Um, and, uh, and I think that's how you have to, have to go about your business. Yeah. When you win that often, when you win that often, it, it can almost become a numb feeling to some people because you expect to win and then you're up there and it's like, yeah, of course we won. What race do you look back at that really stands out as, as like, man, that was the one that I was so pumped that we won? I think, I, I think major up. races. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I, I wouldn't look back at one necessarily. The right. most recent one, to, for the sake of discussion, is, is the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That was a very emotional win for everybody that worked on the team. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, everybody exhaled, yeah. uh, which was nice. <laughs> right, right, but uh, right. having gone to the event... And that was the first time I'd ever been there for a race. Yeah. But to see the magnitude of the event, and then to see the people that came out of the woods uh, <laughs> onto the front straightaway, uh, and the grandstands, yeah. uh, for that matter, and filled the whole front straightaway, it was a massive humanity. And then it was breathtaking, almost, that you know we raced against a Ferrari. Uh, so that was kind of a throwback thing. And yeah. then, uh, yeah. uh, but the Ferrari that finished second, uh, and easily could have won the race uh, was an American entrant. Yeah, right. Yeah. So when it came time for the victory ceremony and they had the drivers up there uh, for the trophies and all that, they raised three American flags and they played the American anthem, the national anthem. And that was absolutely, it stopped you in your tracks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To see that in France, uh, I, you know, I can only imagine what it feels like for those people in Brazil this year that won medals for the United States. Right. Because yeah. right. it, it gave you that sensation that, it, man, this is, this is big. This is right. bigger than me. This yeah. is big. Yeah. Uh, to win the Indy 500, growing up being an IndyCar fan, I grew up when there were knobs on radios and the, and the TV was black and white. <laughs> and uh, to win the Indy 500 is so special. That race today is as big as it, as it ever has been. Uh, the electricity there on race day is, it's hard to describe to anybody. I don't think any major motor race I've ever been to, you feel the electricity that you feel on the Indy 500 on race day. It's, it's amazing there. And to, to compete in the race and not win is devastating. To compete in the race and win is extraordinary. That, to me, that's a major. So then on the other foot there, what's the one that got away? That was really sour, hard to swallow. More than once at Indianapolis. Yeah. More than once at Indy. Yeah. I mean, we gave up wins at Indy uh, that it, it takes, honestly, you don't get over that right away. And, and one of the reasons is that you're there for a prescribed amount of time. Sure. Yeah. So you've got all this team engagement for two, three, four weeks, plus all the preparation for the whole year to yeah. be ready for that event. And when you know you have what it takes to win the race and and you fail, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate to use the right. word, but right. you do, you fail it, yeah. fail at it for whatever reason, um, it's tough to get out of that. Right. Yeah. It's tough to get out Is of that. Is there a Ganassi, like, common theme amongst the guys that drive for Chip? Is it, like, they all have the similar 
characteristics of a certain thing, or is it just if you can get the job done and you fit in, you're the guy? Um, you know, Chip always tells them after they win, well, you're on for another day. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> I, uh, what's in common is the fact that there's such free sp – you know, our team, honestly, is this team of free-spirited people. So what's in common with the people that work, besides they love competing, is that they're very free-spirited and uh, they're not regimented, ping penguin-type people. They're okay. they're very, you know, they they live within a regimented society, but at the same time, they're very free-spirited people. Free-spirited people celebrate when they win, and uh, and the drivers are the same. For the most part, we've had drivers that. In other applications, maybe they didn't do the best, but they had all the ability. Yeah. Uh, they they have they have in common the fact that that uh, honestly most of them have never had a had a fallback position. They right. had to win races. Yeah. Right. To get to where they are with Chip, they have to continue to win races. Yeah. And uh, that's what we like. We have to win races right. as a team. Um, Does he still tell Scott Dixon? He's got one more day on his contract. <laughs> well, you know what? At at, uh, at Chip Ganassi Racing, if you work for Chip for 20 years, yeah, you get a Rolex. Oh, okay. Huh. Uh, and it's a beautiful watch. Uh, it's a GMT uh, two uh, Rolex. It's yeah. a beautiful inscribed 20 years. You know, for working at Chip Ganassi Racing, it's right. a wonderful piece. And uh, Chip said, or Scott said the other day, we were talking. He said, you know, I'm only five years away. Wow. <laughs> So I hope I hope in five years he gets his Rolex. Right. It's like a bad version of Lethal Weapon. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. Too old for this. Too old for this. <laughs> One more day. He's a, he's a terrific race driver because yeah. I mean we see it. People see it. So maybe that's a little bit of an under, understatement. But right. uh, what's what's great about Scott as a driver is the fact that he hasn't stopped wanting to learn. Right. Some drivers, when they get to a certain point and they're really gifted and they're really good at what they do, they kind of plateau, and that's good enough for them, and they yeah. still continue to win races. Right. This guy, he's still ramping up. Right. And it's fun to watch. Yeah. So speaking of guys like that, you know, we like we were talking about earlier, we met with Joey. Um, Joey, as you said, was part of that era where we sort of had a, a bunch of drivers that kind of got lost in the potential mm -hmm. for open wheel. Who is out there right now that that you think could have been a perfect Ganassi driver and just, you know, you only had so many seats and timing just didn't work? Present tense? Sure. I, you know, I, I, I've looked at young guys, uh, and I don't want to offend any if, right. I, if I don't mention their names, right. so that, that, and that's not fair because there's some terrific young right. drivers. Right. But there's one that I really do personally love or like. <laughs> uh, love's pretty strong. <laughs> Uh, we can edit that is, out. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean Rahal. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, that guy gets is, a lot of love he, on this show. You know, he is fantastic. Yeah. And he tested for us in an IndyCar. Yeah. Uh, we did a test with him. Um, he's, 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 the, he's the package. Yeah. And he is going to – he's the fallout from what's presently going on, in my opinion. Sure. Because he doesn't have money. Right. Everything he's done in his career, he's had to fight to get it. Right. And everything he's raced, he's done enormously well in yeah. it. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, he's going to Europe to race. He's coming to America to race. Yeah. He's doing it all right. And, you know, he wants to race open-wheel cars in the worst way. Yeah. Right. And it's just not out there. And uh, he and I have talked – I talked to him yesterday on the phone about it. It's just <clears> – <throat> If if you stop racing because you only want to race open wheel cars, right. 
they will forget about you in five minutes. Yep, absolutely. So you have to keep racing. You have right. to be active. You have to be in front. You have to be out there all the time. Right. And, uh, you know, there's several others like him right. that uh, I think, you know, I honestly think a really good example, and it doesn't answer your original question. That's but right. I think a really good example of somebody that didn't let open wheel racing get in his way to get to open wheel racing was Krosnoff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I knew him quite well. And, uh, uh, you know, he came out of that Formula Mazda group. There was Krosnoff, uh, Kendall, Kendall. Yeah. Uh, the Groffs, yep. um, Kuykendall. I remember the, uh, there were like five or six of these guys that got on to went on to Super V's and some other yeah, stuff. Sure. And Kendall certainly had a terrific career. Right. Um, and they all came from that Los La Crescenta Pasadena area. Yep, yep. And they were like the mafia from there. Uh, My but town. <laughs> but uh, Jeff, you know, he raced that stuff, and then he kind of struggled along a bit. And uh, I don't remember how he befriended. He he raced a he raced a truck <laughs> in that SCCA road racing yeah. series that was sponsored yeah. by a Japanese wheel company. Yeah. And he met the guy from Japan, and the guy said, "Well, what are you doing?" He said, oh, "I don't have a." job I don't have a drive I want to drive racing cars and and he invited me to come to Japan yep. because they had a had an open wheel team there and that's how he ended up in Japan yeah. and then he raced a, a GT car there and a and yep. a Formula 3000 car yep. there yep. simultaneously um, and uh, didn't let the kind of car he raced get in the way of working on his career yeah and and remaining active, Just going where he had chance, right? Yeah, and I mean, he continued to network. He would call me on the phone, let me know what was going on all the time, and right. then when we uh, when we had an opportunity for a test, we invited him to do the test with Zanardi. Right. The uh, uh, he to me, he represents what young guys should be doing with their careers. Right. They shouldn't <coughs> let, like you said, Sean has when he was 14 years old, he wanted to race Indy cars. Yeah. I think you shouldn't let that get in your way. You should continue. You should race, 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 race. Right. And uh, sometimes I think in a driver's mind, you know, they're, they're on this pilgrimage that I have to get it done by the time I'm 21. I have to get it done sure. by the time I'm 25. Right. And believe me, that comes and goes. Right. Uh, if, you, if you're not racing cars, it makes it a lot worse. Well, but so on that note, you know, like sports car drivers, sports cars becomes a viable option because you can find your, your sugar daddy or whatever it is. And, and yeah. obviously mm -hmm. in, in open wheel, that's not as available. Um, kind of the, the current commercial viability <coughs> of IndyCar is a, is a challenge. I mean, you know, obviously Ganassi just lost a 20-year partner. Mm -hmm. um, at the close of 2016, you guys had four cars, uh, you know, here on this thing's being released mid-November. We don't quite know what the future of Ganassi's program is, how many cars and who's in them and all that. Um, but, you know, at the close of 2016, you had two cars that came with a certain amount of personal funding attached to their drivers. Um, so, And this is Ganassi, which is one of the top two teams in IndyCar. Um, where do you see it going right now in terms of the commercial viability and keeping pro drivers versus guys who are bringing funding with them? I, th I think, to answer your question, I think it's it's a symptom of what we see globally. Yeah. It's not just a symptom of IndyCar racing. Sure, uh, we've been spoiled for a long time in the United States by, by, excuse me, by watching NASCAR, that's been very, very deep with commercial sponsorship, yeah. with full grandstands and big TV, and we see that diminishing. Right, um, and I think IndyCar racing, the ratings for television, and some of the events, the grandstands are creeping. Right. I think, and I think that's a fair word. Yeah. Creeping upwards. Right. 
where teams are trying to create the most value they can uh, and maintain uh, some profitability right. uh, from the capital capitalization side of your business to keep it in business right. in the off season, which right. is long. In I mean, you guys now have months a five-month period, right? Being down, yeah, uh, because some people in Boston decided that was a good idea, right? Um, and uh, uh, and we're living we're we're living that uh, we're living proof that uh, as a race team that we're running a quality program that's mixed. Presently, uh, and uh, we do well with it. Um, but I think it's the direction that racing generally is going to go. Who would have ever thought in Formula One that over half the grid yep. would be people that brought money? Yeah. Right, right. That to me is, I mean, it takes a lot of money to race in Formula One. Right. But even so, it's, uh, to me, it always, Formula One had always represented talent from end to end yeah, that was there because it was talent from end it's to end. To right. Let's face it, in the kart days and IndyCar racing, and I know things are different then, right. um, and it's maybe it's, it, and it certainly isn't a total fair comparison, but you had four, four chassis manufacturers, right. two tire companies, right. uh, three to four engine companies, right. national television, network television. Right. You had full grandstands. They paid a purse 15, 20 years ago of $125,000 to win a race. Um, and in those days, they paid you a million dollars to win a championship. Yeah, right, right. Um, so by comparison, it was very flush. Right. It was there was a lot of money flowing. And the only, the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the OEM partners you had, like, you know, the, the Ganassi, Firestone, Reynard, Honda, uh, those weren't all completely customer deals, correct? No, they like were you not. didn't have to write a, no, a they lease were and all that. Yeah. Uh, but it's changed since then, yeah. and, uh, and you can't you can't blame the whole thing in IndyCar racing on what happened when they decided when greed decided to create division, right? Because that's what happened, right? Let's yeah. face it. That's the best way I've ever heard. Yeah, I've um, never heard it put that way. Um, and uh, we're all suffering because that that did happen, right? Um, but we're passionate about what goes on, and I think the problem is. If, if I go to Apple, because you have your computer there, if I go to Apple and I say to Apple, I'm an IndyCar team and I want you to sponsor me. Let's just right. say it in a simple way. Right. Forget about all the slide presentation Great. and yeah, all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Right? <laughs> hey, and give me money. And they're going to say, okay, well, how much money do you need? I'm going right. to say, oh, well, I need, for the sake of discussion, I need $5 million. Right. Six, $7 million, whatever, whatever I say. And they say, well, you know, yesterday... I had a NASCAR team in here. Right. And they wanted more money than that. But guess what their reach is? Yeah, exactly. So we're doing, I think, pretty well considering, considering where right. our reach is. Yeah, right. I think we're doing a really good job as a series. Uh, I, I think we put on a great show. Um, and uh, um, we just need the growth to be a little more accelerated than right. it is sure. well so let me let me turn that around a little bit not to get to topic of the week and all that kind of nonsense but uh, uh the you know uh, uh yeah, what you just said about your apple analogy is, is is something that i've felt has existed for the last 10 years and and fundamentally it's not even about nascar or other forms of motorsport the culture of advertising has changed in my opinion that if you're a, if you're if apple's launching a new I watch or whatever and and they're told they've got a 30 million dollar budget to go do whatever they can 
there's very intelligent ways now and very trackable ways to spend $30 million yes. and putting it on the side of a race car and just in terms of empirical data doesn't provide a lot of uh, good decision making if you're if you're a middle manager that's just trying to figure out the best places to advertise your product so there's got to be another incentive beyond simple advertising value correct right. um, so I look at your Ford program IMSA does not provide a lot of advertising value for what they're doing and right. yet it was worth the effort to go to Le Mans do a full season of North American racing and it's because Ford has a an engine technology that is an OEM they wanted to showcase beyond you know beyond simple let's run a commercial and put our, our sticker on the side of a car so I'm turning that into my question of of you know the current nature we have of for lack of a better expression spec racing where we have two manufacturers there's a certain amount of BOP certain you know very very narrow restrictions on how you can run your bodywork chassis what yeah what have it um, if I know an arms race is dangerous, but if the rules were more open, do you think it would attract more manufacturer interest? Well, I guess my answer to that question yeah. would be, first of all, has it made a difference? In what sense? Has spec racing really made a difference? In, in other words, you know what I'm saying Did is... Did it bring out the, yeah. the more cars and the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, right. has, has it really made a difference? Right. Uh, yes, in the sense that it's made racing closer. Right. You see more racing on the racetrack, right. wheel to wheel, right. whether it be fender to fender or wheel to wheel. But the reality is, has it increased the numbers? Right. It has not. My assumption was we moved towards spec during the split when it wasn't about increasing as much as surviving and surviving. like let's keep all the teams, but we're putting now all the cost burden on the teams because right. there's yeah. no incentive. Well, not for only that, you're putting an enormous so. amount of pressure on the sanctioning body. Right. To keep it all spec. To keep it all the same. Yeah. Um, and uh, raise the level of political awareness on how you get there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know that this experiment in spec cars has done what everybody thought it was going to do. Sure. We're not having full fields. And That's correct. Crazy. That's yeah, correct. I got you it, it has made the racing tons better. Right. Uh, but beyond that, and maybe it's kept, kept us in the corral in terms of spending money, right. I honestly don't know. But I can tell you for a fact that that because the, the box is so small now that we work in, right. you're out trying to find money to work inside that box that you didn't have to worry about before. Well, and that's kind of part of my question. So, like, I, I don't expect you to name numbers, but, like, 1996, 1997, you have competing chassis partners, competing engine uh, manufacturers, and, and, and competing tire manufacturers. And... Ganassi had a uh, had a good couple of years there because you had a different combination of things working with you versus Penske and all the other guys that were out there. Um, the, in those days, you didn't have to be a customer program. In other words, if they wanted to, I think uh, Honda could give you engines because you were a good partner to have, or, mm -hmm. or Firestone would be. Well, in other words, a hundred percent of the cost was not put on the teams to provide. Correct. In other words, you didn't have to write all of the checks to go Correct. race, whereas now you do because Delara has no incentive well, to compete yeah. against everybody else. That's, that's, that's um, correct, nor does the tire company. Right. Yeah. So that, that's what I'm saying. Budget-wise, in terms of the actual money going out of the team, is it better now than it was in 1996? Because in my head, it probably isn't. It's not. Okay. It's not. Because you had other people picking up the check. That's correct. Okay. Kind of like this meal. Yeah, because <laughs> you lost the bet earlier. Yeah. That's what competition <laughs> provided. <laughs> Um, well, we could run out the door. <laughs> <laughs> They'll catch it. They yeah, catch well, us. you don't have to be fast. You have to be faster than the guy behind you. That's yeah. right. I think that's you right. could probably take me in a, in a heat. I would, so I would say that's fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one of the things we do on the show, Mike, is a pass-along question. 
<laughs> where the previous guest asked the next question or the next guest a question and so forth. So earlier today, sitting right where you're sitting now, we had Kevin Rocket Blanche from IndyCar, who formerly, oh, yeah. yep, familiar with him. Um, so this question made me laugh because, as you can see, I'm wearing an Acura T-shirt, and I work for Honda HPD as well. Um, the question was in a – And we didn't tell him to ask this. Not at all. Yeah. But the question in almost a condescending, sarcastic way was, why would you decide to go to Honda? Oh, th that was the question? That, that was, was the question. question. From him? From yeah. him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I, th I think uh, uh, there's probably a public answer and a private answer. The uh, um, Looking at our history, first of all, uh, Chip Ganassi racing history and HPD history, it's been really, really good together yeah. over, t over, over time frames of time. Mm -hmm. um, our technical group in there has always matched well together, matched up well together. Right. Um, we, we've always dared to be a little different sure, sure. <laughs> and, uh, maybe there's a little bit in, in, in that, but I, I think we looked really, we looked, we looked at the future of IndyCar racing and where we wanted to be positioned mm -hmm. as we're going down the road. And we wanted to be in, in a, in a reliable position for that over the next few years. And we thought this was the right thing for us as a team to do. Okay. Uh, some of it is instinctive. Some of it is based on fact. Um, I, I think, in fairness to the answer, that you couldn't ask for a better partner in Chevrolet. Uh, they're racing people yeah. from the top all the way through the system. They're, they're racing people. They're, they're a core group of racers. Ilmore Engineering and Pratt Miller, I don't think you can find a better two groups of people to support the Chevrolet powertrain program. I don't know how, how to quite answer the question. You know, I, I think it's going to take us a little while to to be where we need to be with Honda. I don't think it's a slam dunk. Right, right. Uh, but I think when the slam dunk needs to happen, it's going to start happening for us. Uh, so I think the timing was right. Ford sports car, Chevrolet stock car, Honda Indy car. How is not everyone furious with you guys? <laughs> I have no idea. Like I, 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 I have a hard time getting one girl to go out with me. I don't know how I could balance three. I think it, you know it's it's kind of an interesting situation uh, because we are very cognizant of the respective technologies, but we as a company or as a team we learn quite a bit. Um, and it does help us. It helps us overall. And I think the, the respective, the, the, the OEMs have a respect for that because they know that they're going to benefit from it also in some way or other. And we aren't telling them how to build their engine because somebody else does, does right. it a certain way. Right. We, don't, we don't do that. Yeah, yeah sure. We, hey, we check this you know, out. We're, <laughs> we're not sharing photographs and we aren't sharing data and we aren't doing that. But right. it's just what's terrific about partners is when you can diversify, and this probably goes back to your Honda question directly, or Kevin's yep. uh, Rocket's question. When you diversify partnerships, when it's not the same, it's not sameness, it drives the learning process more quickly. It helps you, your group of people, to look at problems in a completely different way as to how you could very well solve them. And the light goes on, you know, with right. your people all of a sudden, oh, my God, look at that. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was so simple. 
Um, and it's that groupthink thing, you know, where you have everybody so caught up in thinking a certain way that they sometimes don't look to find a different way to sure, solve sure, the problem. Sure. And I think what's made our team good in the same building, which you saw, Ford and Honda now in this case, in the same building. In the same room. In the same room <laughs> is the fact that we look at solving problems in different ways, right. which helps us solve the problems. Right. So to follow up with that, tomorrow morning we'll be having it's kind of like a brunch, brunch. coffee brunch. Very oh. sophisticated. Yeah. yeah. With Ed Carpenter. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's our uh, next guest. We don't really know much about him other than the public Ed yeah, Carpenter. never met him. No real tie to him. Yeah, he didn't offer a shop tour, by the way. So he's out. So We're uh, not fans okay. So we are we are Hall and Ganassi all the yeah, way. Yeah, okay, so very good. <laughs> if, you, if you want any dirt or uh, scoops. We're mostly yeah. Mike Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're Team Hall. So that's for sure. So yeah, can, Ganassi's that. cool. But if there's any secrets you need us to find out, we're your guys. We'll hit them up. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's Actually, a lot of people want to know what Ed's doing for drivers. That's I was just going to say, what do you think he's well, doing? Well, we were talking about that today, and somebody said to me, well, if you were Ed Carpenter, what would you do? Yeah. I said, for me, it'd be real simple. I would hire Juan, Juan Montoya in a heartbeat, yeah. and uh, uh, I wouldn't mess around before somebody else picks him up or makes well, a we'll, deal with him. We'll sure. ask. I'm pretty sure our podcast is not the launch bay for <laughs> announcements, but we and, can try. Uh, <laughs> and I would hire J.R. Hildebrand to be his co-driver in that 20 car. Okay. As a road as a road track driver yeah. and uh, run him at the speedway as a third car, yeah, you know that to me would just create so much symmetry there, uh, and uh, that's what I would do. But in terms of Ed, he's a terrific person. Yeah, um, he's truly a throwback guy right. in terms of where he came from and what he's accomplished, and how fast he runs on an oval in an Indy car. Yeah, um, he he's really really good at what he does, and uh, he has such a big heart and so much passion for IndyCar racing. Right. Um, he's his family does, but he does almost independently of them. Okay. Right. Um, and I I have great degree of respect for that. Now, how do we turn that into a question? It's a really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do we turn that into a question? I don't know. What's um, for brunch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess the question would be: Is how is he going to grow his team? Sure. More marketing. <laughs> you know, really, I mean, the thing is, is he has such a great foundation with his team now. Right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it takes money to grow it. Sure. Uh, but I, I, I think the question basically is, is how is he going to grow his team right. to the level where he should be going with it because right. of the passion that he has for IndyCar racing? Right, right. Is there any Mike Hole legends like within the shop like because what dan Banks said was that the, one of the guys that, that your team told his son like hey don't look at my coal like don't look <laughs> at him and we were like oh man what if that's like his don't give him cold coffee if his coffee's not exactly 98 <laughs> he'll freak well i don't know if there is, there is or there isn't uh because for me it's just about interaction yeah yeah so you know I, i've never worried about it I'm never worried about that stuff. There's it's not that good. one thing that sets you off, you know. Don't touch my collar. Oh <laughs> no, 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 no. The radio's on the wrong station. Yeah. He's like, that's it. Yeah. No what I don't like off. are people that make bad jokes. Well, no, no. On. What I don't like, what I don't like, are people that don't learn from their mistakes. Yeah. We if wouldn't if get along. <laughs> yeah, that that really bothers me. And when you have a room full of people to learn from, what I don't like are people that don't learn from the people they should be learning yeah, from. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That really bothers me. Sure. Thank a you. lot. Uh, yeah. So at, uh, next Tuesday? 
We're going to sit down with Max Jones. Max Jones, yes. Oh, you are? Yeah. 8 a.m. We're having brunch or breakfast with him. That's an 8 a.m. breakfast. Yeah. That's all you got time for, assholes. Any good Max? Because I'm told he is called Max the Axe because if you cross him, that's it. I think he's very direct. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he does, he does get his people together and find out what's going on. Yeah. You know, in terms of just just understanding before he makes a decision about what's going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's not afraid to, he's not afraid to uh, swing the axe if he has to. Yeah. Yeah. Do you agree with that style for most, or just that's his style and your style is a little bit? I more think everybody's style is different. Yeah. Um, I, I think personally, I think you have to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. But not for a long period of time. Yeah, <laughs> you only have so much because sure. uh, it just uh, it doesn't work. Right, it doesn't work. I mean, speaking of that, has it? Is there a reason it's never come out that Johnny O'Connell tried to murder Dario Franchitti? I didn't know that. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking of hitchhiking, you know, a long, long time ago in the Kark days, my wife and I flew out to Vegas uh, for a Christmas holiday, and we would stay with Richie and Brenda Hearn at their house out there. So. Uh, uh, Richie and I are, he had a simulator and we were on a simulator doing stuff and he says, oh, he says, I got something I got to show you. I said, what you got? He says, oh, just a minute. He goes in his office and he comes out and he hands me this business card and it said, Carl Edwards, I can't remember what it said, will drive your race car or something. It had a phone number. Yeah. Okay. And I said, where'd you, where'd you get that? Because Carl by then was driving for Jack Roush. Right, right. And I don't remember if he said trucks or Bush series then or where he was. But, you know, he was starting to develop a, a name a for name, himself. Sure. And I said, where'd you get that card? He says, i got to tell you. He said, uh, uh, years, uh, several years ago when I was still driving whatever he was driving, I don't know what kind of cars, intermediate formula cars or whatever he was driving. He said, I was driving out to IRP um, to practice because they raced the night before the 500. And he said, there was a guy on the side of the road with a Simpson helmet bag hitchhiking. And I pulled over and picked this guy up and asked him where you were going. He says, oh, I'm going out to IRP. Could I get a ride? He said, yeah. And Carl handed him the card. (laughs) That's awesome. And Carl (laughs) was going out there to try to get a sprint car ride. Right, right, right. A silver crown car or a sprint car or whatever. Something he could do, sure. Something he could do, you know. So you just never know. Right. You don't know. I'm sure you've got to get get going soon here, but... uh, uh, Scott Dixon has this perception publicly of being completely unflappable. Ice, <laughs> ice guy. In my ice, head. Ice guy. Ice guy. Ice man. Ice man. <laughs> whatever. Uh, in the way guys like us would work is like that's just a that's just a calling to want to screw with him. <laughs> does does that happen? I like how Mike does not just, break. You're not. Yeah, I like, like how you're not yeah, budging you one want? bit. Like, what do you need? Has there ever been any attempt to mess with him? Um, Dan. Yeah. Uh, Dan would mess with anybody. Okay. I can see that. Uh, so, if, yeah, Dan tried to take him a task a few times. But, <laughs> um, tried. That means he failed. Yeah. Okay. Scott is pretty hardcore. Sure. Uh, and uh, I don't think he's changed a lot. He's just become more public. Okay. okay. I get yeah. it. Um, I get it. And, uh, uh, and, and I think he carries that well now. Um but uh, yeah, I don't. Not that I'm. You've aware. never. Okay. No one's ever like. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of Scott Dixon without thinking of the word intense. Because <laughs> yeah. I just and, and I don't mean like if you saw him in here like earlier when we saw him, I wasn't like, oh, that guy's probably you know 
right. Iron Fist over there at the sushi table. Um, but he just seems like he takes his craft to that ultimate level of intensity. But the coolest thing I saw him do this year was last qualifying session for Sonoma. Fast six, pulls out of the pits. You guys are the first car out of the box. And then going up into turn two at Sears Point, Will Power fires it up the inside. Oh, yeah. Goes wide, drops wheels on the exit as Dixon goes by, and he gives him the total. Yeah, jack off. <laughs> yeah. That was like, I already liked the guy, now he's my hero. <laughs> like, yeah. That was on Sunday morning in the warm-up. Oh, is uh, that what it was? Yeah, okay. and what happened yeah. was is uh, we, we, we left the pit box, and Power followed us out. And I talked to Power after the session was over, and he said that they were talking to him on the radio and telling him that he had to change his fuel mixture, his advance, or something. Okay. So he looks down to do it, and he looks up, and the next thing he knows, he's off the road, yeah. and he just sails past Dixon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that video clip of that was so funny. Oh, that, that, was, that was good, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. We had a miserable there year this year. We won two races. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we, literally, we did. We had a terrible year. We stepped, we stepped on it a few times when yeah. we could have won. Right. And uh, I personally feel bad about that because I want to see him get to Mario. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but if you start thinking about that, you'll never get to Mario. Absolutely. Yeah. You just got to keep winning. Sure. Yeah, you got to keep winning. Yeah. How many away is he? I don't have any idea. I'd have to ask Kelby. Uh, he'd have to tell me where we are on the numbers. Every right. time we win something, he tells me what oh, we just sure. did. I'm sure. Right. I have no idea. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Too I don't know. <laughs> Do you and Max Jones ever give each other shit for competing programs? You were like, hey, Max, no, how many No, as a matter of fact, it's probably the opposite. I okay. think we help each other quite a bit. Sure. And here's the reason why. I can't call Tim Sindrick on the telephone and ask him questions, but I can call Max Jones. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. Sure. And, sure. And so we're in similar positions, and sure. we work for the same person. Right. Um, and so we have that in common. And I think what we have in common is the fact that we have a lot of experience. We're both California guys. Right. Uh, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> native Californians, I think. I think he is. I'm not sure. I am. And uh, uh, it, it, it's a pleasure to be able to talk to somebody like that and ask them what they think. Right. Um, and you don't get that uh, uh, anywhere else. Yeah, it'd be funny if, like, the first time Chip hires a guy, you show up and it's like a clone Mike Hall. You know, the mannerisms are the same. Yeah. You're like, wait a second. Well, like I think, you know, what's – I think, you know, I talked about that earlier about the free-spirited people. Yeah. Chip's not big on job titles, although it seems like we have to have job titles. Sure. Right, you have to. Uh, sure. And the reason is, I think, in his mind, he thinks that – they are too restrictive. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and if you don't define somebody's job by giving them a job title, then they then they you're not confining them. They to the role. they they move outward. Yeah, they don't, don't move. Do more stuff. Yeah, they don't <laughs> yeah. stay inside the lines all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's pretty neat, actually. Uh, to be able to be in that position, to be able to do that, um, and to have that means to try to f get to the end fair enough okay so you got your watch for being there 20 years i did get a watch okay you've uh won a thousand indy 500s and <laughs> 1500 oh i, I thought you were gonna try to get him to say i'm too old for this <laughs> we will get there <laughs> okay i was like oh please tell me you're doing this um what's the uh what's what's the michael legacy what's the title of your book oh i'd have to write the book fair enough we can ghostwrite. I'm just saying you don't maybe want that's that. Maybe that's the title. I, I guess don't want to write this. I guess I'll have to write the book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because I've had a couple of uh, 
journalists ask me about that lately, yeah. and I'm not sure why. You know, I hate it because it means you're getting older. Right, right, <laughs> right. And that absolutely asking. sucks. Right, right. Um, for me, I, I still have a lot to do. Yeah. That's probably the, the primary thing for me. So it would be, I'm not too old I'm for this shit. I'm not too old for this shit. <laughs> Michael. By, by Dr. Michael. Dr. Michael. Dr. Michael. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Can we, can we get your best Danny Glover? <laughs> can you get your best Danny Glover? I'm too old for this shit. Have you seen oh. Lethal Weapon? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Actually, who... Do you have a Chip Ganassi impression? No, I do not. I think that's a lie. What about a Scott Dixon impression? Yeah. Oh my God, I, Scott, I don't. I'm not good <laughs> with that stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I probably, I, I, I never had a chance to go to, to go into that uh, <laughs> that uh, that area of expertise. Yeah. the acting <laughs> part is not me. Fair enough. You guys ever do karaoke? Uh, we have done karaoke when we've been extremely drunk. Yes. Uh, right, who nails it? Who nails it? Who sings like a mother? Um. Who s- sings terribly bad? Susie Weldon. Yeah, not uh, good. Not <laughs> good. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, Dan wasn't very good either. <laughs> um, yeah. Dario's not very good. <laughs> so it sounds like you got a whole team of terrible yeah, singers. Right. Okay. It's yeah. good to know. But that wasn't, that. you know, it's it I, It would have been our version of team building. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it would be bad okay. karaoke. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Team is we've, done a lot of, we've done a lot of that. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm super happy and and, oh, good. and thankful for you to do this. We well, that's, that's what we, that's what we try to do here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're good. If you if you want a cardboard cutout of yourself for <laughs> season three, we'll happily make okay, that happen. Thank you. Um, you actually paid Bill Riley some nice and his dad Bob some nice compliments earlier today. Oh my God. About the DP program. Yeah. How much do they pay you to say that nice stuff? Absolutely nothing. You know, the thing is, is <laughs> like I, no you know, I, I love I love all these people that have come before me in racing and what they accomplished. And, and uh, Bob Riley in particular uh, got has gotten to do so many terrific things in his lifetime in motor racing. Right. Um, and all of them have been successful. Yeah. Right. He might question that but I think all of them have been very successful and he did it his way right um, but his way what I love about him is that he's so practical about what you have to race on the racetrack uh, and his way is the right way to go racing uh, when we started with him uh, Bill wasn't there okay uh, we what happened was we had made a commitment to to run in the Grand Am series for 2004 in uh, 2003. And uh, Toyota decided to come on board with the Lexus engine project for that car. That was actually a boat motor. <laughs> and uh, But it was approved as a normally aspirated motor and that was the motor we started with. So we did a bit of a landscape search trying to figure out which car. And there were several cars that were already, you could just go buy one and yeah. go racing. and. Chip said, well, what should you do? And I said, well, I can't remember which car we thought might have been the best one at the time. But I said, but I heard that Bob Riley is designing a car. Let me, I'm going to go down there to his shop because at that time they were in Speedway. Okay, yeah. I'm going to go down and see what he's got. So I go down there to see him. Ben Bowlby came with me because he was working for us at the time. Yeah. The two of us go down there. We met with him. We said, where's the car? He said, well, he pulled out a, like a napkin <laughs> thing like this and a magic marker. Sounds right. And he goes like this. And he says, okay, there it is right there. So we talked to him for a little while, and I said, well, 
can we get a car uh, by the Roar Test at Daytona? He said, yeah. All I need is a deposit. Okay. How much, he told me. So I go back to the office, I call Chip, and he says, well, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to buy a Riley car. Well, what's it look like? <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> right now we just have a surface drawing. <laughs> and he says, well, what's a surface drawing? I said, well, it's kind of on a napkin. <laughs> and he said, really? There's no car? I said, no, Chip, but it's what we need to do. Yeah. yeah. I, th it, I think it's going to blow all these other cars out of the water. Yeah. yeah. Right? Really, you think so? I said, yeah. He says, well, then let's do it. He says, what do you need? I told him. He said, well, take him a check. So take him a check. And that was, that was Labor Day weekend. Oh, okay. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. So Th this is September for so a car you need in January. This was on a Friday. Most yeah. Nobody else was working hardly. Sure, you know, sure. I, I go back down there in the afternoon, hand him the check, say, let's go. And oh, by the way, here's th he looks at the check. He goes, well, this is double. I said, yeah, because we want two cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says, okay. Okay. Sure. So we made the deal. This is September. And evidently what happened was, they didn't have any business there. Bill had gone, I think, gone down to Yates to go to work. Okay. Yeah, right. And to do NASCAR. Uh, and they were going to lay everybody off in Indianapolis on Monday morning oh, after the holiday. No way. Yes. Oh, wow. So we made the deal, and he started on the car, and we told him, whatever you need from our engineering group will help you in any way possible, he says to me. That, that, that will not work. <laughs> that never works. I said, Bob. If any, whatever you need. Okay. So we started collaborating on things. And uh, he'll tell you, if you ask him, that it w we are the only team that they've ever had success being able to do that with. Okay. Cool. So then what happened was the way I met Bill was we're about a month into the project maybe. And Bob calls on the phone and says, hey, could you come down? We want, I need to talk to you. Oh, shit. Okay. So. I go down there, and here's Bill Riley. Yeah. Hi, how you doing? Fine. And Bob says, well, we've got a little is issue here. Um, Bill's decided to come back here to work, uh, but the reason is, is he's going to run a race team for a guy named Wayne Taylor. Fine for me, whatever you want to do. Well, we wanted to make sure it was okay. I said, it's fine for me. He said, but the problem is they need a car. <laughs> oh boy. And we're okay. only building two cars right now. Yeah. So I could even figure out where he's going with yeah, that, right, with that right, statement. Right. I said, well, then they need the other car, but you're going to build us a third car, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I said, well, that's okay for us. Let's do it. Then at least we have somebody to share data with. That's yeah. what I said immediately. I said, we got two people running instead of one. Yeah. Let's do it. And uh, so that's how we started together. Right. And it worked really, really well. Um, and... Uh, I have so much respect for Bob and Bill yeah. both and how they run themselves, how they run their program, how fair they were with us, and they were competitors. They became competitors. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but we shared unselfishly everything that we learned about the car, and they did the same with us. That's great. Um, and that's... That's very I mean, there's rare. barns now full of Riley cars yeah. <laughs> you know, that came from that era. Yeah, right. There I, is. I think they built 50 or 60 of those cars. He told us the number on the show last year. I can't remember, yeah, but remember, it's something but insane. And you guys have won over like 100-something races. Or yeah, it's, it's they like have. We won, we won 40. Just 40. 40-some, 40 40-plus 40 <laughs> races. I don't know where that thing ended up. But, uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, we were trying to make fun of the guy, and then you made him and to be a hero. Be, yeah. Yeah. Well, much, I don't know. I just, I just have so much respect for what they do. Yeah, we, we do as well. In fact, we didn't really know Bill other than just the normal 
you know, see him every now and then, say hi to him kind of thing. And then after he was on our show last year, he became one of our favorite one people. One of our, our heroes. And yeah. so that's why he's a cardboard cutout in your shop earlier today laying yeah. on the floor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which he has no idea. Yeah. I'm so envious of what they're doing now with this DPI thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for a cost, I'm sure you could get in. I know. So. Yeah, oh. I could team up. We'll go do the whole season yeah, together. You could run a Honda. You know, we'll get, we'll get Sean it. for the long races. I'd love to do nope. it in 2018. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you that. Yeah. Okay. Is that when the Ford thing runs runs out? or Okay, yeah. so it would be in your, like, ideal world, like, yeah. two things. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Okay. Well, we're expanding the building, so we'd have room. You got the room. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. That's one more program. And, uh, Bring in another manufacturer completely. That'll be, you'll be one year from retirement. Be Hyundai. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you <get> have. <laughs> Does Michael have any toys? Any cool? Um, I did. I did have cars. Um, uh, I had a, a Zanardi NSX for a long time. Ah, so and cool. I sold, and I sold it Man. to a collector. Oh, okay. And I had a '67 all original GT350 Shelby Mustang. Oh, and uh, I sold that to a collector. Um, I just bought a uh, a night a 2008. Uh, bullet Mustang. Ah, okay. Uh, which it, they bu- they built 5,800 of those total. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 1,300 green black ones. So they picked 13 as the number. Yeah. 1,300 black ones and the rest are green ones. I have a black one. But the reason I bought this one was it was sitting in a gra- in a barn up near Chicago. This collector guy had it. Uh, and it was in one of those bubble wrappy things yeah, with yeah. a trickle charger on it along with 25 other cars that he has. Um, and it had 1,000 miles on it. Oh, oh wow. So it's like a brand new car. Yeah, right. It still s- smelled new. Oh. I got underneath the thing with a flashlight, and the bar code tags were still on the exhaust system. <laughs> oh, wow. It even burned off. Run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah, I bought that car, and it's a nice driver. That's cool. It's got a short throw five-speed. got a big V8 in it. Yeah, nice. The only thing it didn't have was a satellite radio, so I, I went that. to Best Buy, got that, put yeah. that in, and <laughs> it's, it's actually really nice. Did you do your own work on that stuff? I did that. Okay. Yeah, I got the thing that had the phone and the 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 uh, satellite radio and the backup camera and all that. Just put oh, all that in. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And it looks fact. I mean, the thing, it's a Pioneer thing, and it looks flush in the. Yeah. It looks like it was meant to be in there from the factory. Nice. Okay. But they didn't start satellite radios. I found out till 2009. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's because okay. I thought, oh, I should have one. Yeah, right. I start researching yeah. it to find right. out, well, why they must, Ford must just have one right. for this model car. Yeah, nope. Not Never had it. Interesting. There you go. Okay. Yeah. And th- it's interesting, too, because the guys that are now in the competition department at Ford, Parasac, who runs it, Dave Parasac, Kevin Groot and uh, Mark Rushbrook were all on the last Mustang project okay. before they got moved over. So okay. I got a source for stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Like, right, they know it up. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go to Ford uh, for a Lincoln ride and drive about four years ago. Uh-huh. And this, I, I, we all, well, me and like 20 other instructors all figured out that the Ford GT was coming back because we were out on, they kind of built this giant course for dealer training kind of mm-hmm. thing for the MKS Lincoln. And, it kind of connected the the little autocross that's just next yep. to the the world roads yep, where there's right. like twelve right, different right, pavements right. of different types, and we do an outer loop on the on the high speed oval, and then the inner loop on the slow speed and all that. And you you get a track radio, and you have your own radio, and so you're listening to Ford engineers all day long. Go, okay, this is this this is coming on long roads right now, or Raptor for off road or whatever. And they had, I can't remember what the co- what the code word was, but it was something, something prototype for high-speed oval. And, like, we didn't think anything of it because you're hearing weird stuff all day. But one of the guys that was working there, I'm not going to say his name. I don't want to get the guy in trouble. He's a super cool guy that's been working there for forever. And he goes, uh, oh, 
yeah, you guys need to all come inside. You're not supposed to see this. And, of course, we're all like, well, what is it? And he's like, I can't tell you. But they're windows. And sure enough, here comes this very, very early model of the current car, which you could tell was an old car with new body mm -hmm. panels and everything on it. But it was like, oh, wow. But we had signed an NDA, so it's like, yeah. can't say anything. Now the car's out. It's not a big deal. But that was four three or four years ago and yep. it, and it, I, my dad was a Cosworth fan or is a Cosworth fan and restored a GT40 for a guy mm. an original car in fact a uh, chassis 1010 that Adrian knew he then bought and then destroyed twice at Le Mans and mm -hmm. uh, Snyderton or not Snyderton but at Goodwood but anyways I grew up in a family that really enjoyed Ford race cars that real Ford race cars and so cool. to see the Ford GT come back and then see this very Early well, origi model. the original project was called Silver. Okay, that might have been what it was. Okay, but it was and it was because of the Silver anniversary. Okay. That's why it was called Silver, and the original project was going to be a Mustang. Oh, all right. And uh, they figured out that that wasn't going to work. Yeah. So then it changed direction. Yeah. When we, when we did our deal with Ford to move from BMW and the prototype thing, it was originally a four-year agreement. But the first two years were with the prototype car, and that was all about developing the engine yeah. and all the engine accessories and the engine package. Yeah. So that was all plugged into that DP car, and we ran that for two years so right. that when it plugged into the GT car, it, we didn't have to work on that part of the process. Yeah, right. And that really did help a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're okay to put that in, the Project Silver and all that? Uh, I don't know about that. You probably okay. shouldn't. No, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. that's why I'm asking. What if we okay. said Project Boo? Because yeah. that would leave it kind of mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would leave us mysterious. Yeah. But I think that uh, they kind of shelved the Mustang thing and yeah. just moved on. Yeah, there was somebody did a, a rendering of a Ford GTLM Mustang. Yes. Uh, that was on all over the internet, and it yeah. looked awesome. Yeah. I was really excited. I hope that would become a thing. But eh, anyways. Yeah. Cool. Well, okay. we honestly can't believe you would give anybody this amount of time so thank <laughs> yeah. you so much you're welcome and and the, the we we knew we were in good hands because the first email you replied was uh yeah i'll be available on this date and while you're in indy and, and let me know if you need anything else while you're oh, here yeah. and it was like wow no one and it was that. within like a couple hours of the initial email yeah which mm, we like, can't hey, get we're from, strangers yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can't get that from pr people and that's their job so <laughs> i give you credit yeah i'm, I'm traveling i'm leaving again tomorrow i'm traveling tomorrow so yeah where are you off to i'm going to florida tomorrow nice yeah, yeah. we'll see you there in a week <laughs> yeah. swing by yeah who is completely uninvited to your parties <laughs> paul, Tra paul tracy paul tracy um who's not invited chip party? <laughs> max jones uh i don't really hate anybody in racing um, my wife, my, it doesn't my have wife now on oh. her head. She holds grudges. Oh, okay. okay. She's a okay. right? Who's yeah. out? Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> Who's but, out uh, with Mrs. Hall? Yeah. Yeah. What's that? Who's out? Who's out with Mrs. Hall? I don't know. We'd have to ask her the <laughs> flavor of the week. I like the there. Oh, okay. flavor of the week. Okay. Uh, okay. On who it is, but uh, or like who's just you, know, you may like him, but they're just too embarrassing. She gets upset with me because I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Right. Okay. Right. It's such as this dinner. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be great. She's like, they were not great. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to find out who's on the invited guest list there. Show up like, hey, it's me. He's like, eh, sorry, Marco. Beat <laughs> it. Yep. He's like, but, but, but. All right. We'll let you get going Good, here. Thank but, you, guys. Uh, Continental's got the check. Meow, 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 meow. I'm finished. Wow, that was such a great episode. That guest really knew how to tell a story. Well, good. I'm glad you liked Mike Hall, Ryan. 
who's clearly sitting right next to me. You're welcome, Sean. I'm right here. All right. Mega, mega thank you to Michael for uh, giving us the time. And, and again, for a guy in his position, the, the graciousness he had in the whole process was just unbelievable. Starting with a volunteer shop tour that, that he initiated uh, all the way down to just giving us lots of time for dinner on a day before he had to travel. Uh, just just absolutely remarkable guy. So, all right. Being a California guy, I figured we'd throw some California music at him. Uh, we're going to go back to the Agrolites, who some of you may remember from season one. This is a song who shares the same title with the album. Here's a reggae hit LA available on iTunes. 